Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out all the stuff we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. If you happen to be one of these zillions of people who have ever wished that your ski touring boots were either a bit stiffer or more comfortable, listen up. Because today on Gear 30, we are airing a conversation that Blister Senior Editor Sam Shaheen recently had with Kai Palkanen, the head boot fitter at Pulse Boot Lab in Revelstoke, Canada, about a number of the innovative ways that Pulse is changing boot fitting. Sam and Kai discuss Pulse's proprietary boot fitting app, also their custom shell modification tools, and then they talk about Pulse's new product, ProFlex, which is a ski boot insert that can stiffen traditional two-piece ski boots by up to 30%. You can check out the Pulse ProFlex campaign on Kickstarter, which runs through Wednesday, January 30th, and we've included a link to the Pulse ProFlex Kickstarter campaign in the show notes to this episode. And now with that, let's go ahead and get to Sam's conversation with Kai Palkanen. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Gear 30. I'm Sam Shaheen, Senior Editor with Blister, and I'm talking today with Kai Palkanen at Pulse Boot Labs in Revelstoke, Canada. How are you doing today, Kai? I'm doing good. How are you? Excellent. What's it like in Revy today? It's, uh, it's a little bit different today. It's actually not snowing. <laughs> wow. Uh, I am super jealous. <laughs> it's also not snowing yeah. here. It's uh, It's been a good season so far. Excellent. That's good to hear. So we want to talk to you a little bit today about kind of why why we have Pulse on our recommended shops list and a few of the really interesting and innovative um, technologies that you guys are starting. You know, one of the reasons we invited Pulse to be on the shops list is these boot fitting technologies that you guys are creating. Let's start by talking a bit about what you mean when you talk about a mathematical approach to boot fitting or taking the voodoo out of boot fitting? I think for for a long time or up until now, the, the, the fitting industry in general has been very much based on a collection of theories that sometimes are applicable and sometimes they aren't. And it's very much like trying to teach someone a gut instinct. It doesn't, you can't do that. What we started realizing was that every decision that's 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 made regardless of boot fitting or otherwise there is a degree of math behind it, uh, behind the decision making process so we started looking at at fitting from a more mathematical point of view and really trying to narrow things down and not so much replace a boot fitter but give boot fitters tools to help them make good decisions and drive a fit in the right direction. I think a, a good solid easy example is, is that there's literally dozens of different measurement devices out there. All of those devices give different results. And depending on how it's read, the same device from two different boot fitters can give two different results. And sometimes sometimes you have what's called textbook textbook sizing where you know, regardless of an individual's uh, priorities, whether it be comfort, warmth, performance, or high performance, they're always going to go into that size. It's pretty straightforward. But a lot of the time, it's a little bit more arbitrary, and there, there's a lot of guesswork involved. Our research last summer, um, we, we looked at a couple of scanning systems out there, and, and none of them really did 
what we thought they should do or what we thought was capable. So uh, we ended up sourcing different software and different hardware. Now we're scanning feet. Within two minutes, we can get 20 different measurements of each foot uh, down to the hundredth of a millimeter. Uh, so the accuracy is absolutely stunning. Um, and you're completely removing uh, the, the user error factor. Yeah, that's, that, seems, that seems incredibly useful. I guess one question I would have is, you know, you're going to get all this data on the on the customer's foot. Do you do you have that same data for the boots themselves? Currently, we're categorizing boots based on stated last or what I guess Blister calls stated last. When we find a a big discrepancy, uh, then we can address that discrepancy in the back end of of the app. Um, At this point. We're not quite there yet, but we're getting incredibly close. You know, we know how to categorize every boot up on the wall. Uh, so the boots that we're working with are a little bit more, uh, a little bit more accurate versus the you know 250 other boots on the market that we don't we don't carry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and so what you're talking specifically about is this this is your Fit Assistant app system, right? Yeah. There's there's two kind of sides to, to the app. The first side is, uh, is it gathers detail and, and kind of creates a blueprint from the customer's perspective or from the skier's perspective in terms of uh, their, you know, their weight, their height, uh, their terrain preference, whether or not they have a strong race background, whether they're working in their boots. We pretty much ask, I think there's about 14 or 15 questions that help categorize uh, an individual in terms of the flex of the boot. Uh, flex is pretty subjective as well, so uh, that's something that we're working on. So once a customer is done with with that aspect, the the Apple spit out what's what we're kind of calling a, a pulse performance rating. Uh, so each one of these questions is is weighted differently, and there's an algorithm that runs in the background that spits out uh, a number that gives us an idea of a range of boots that might be appropriate. So we're really narrowing things down straight out of the gate. The second part of the app is is the fitting and measurement side. So skiers goes barefoot into the scanner. Less than a minute and a half, we have 20 different measurements on each each of the feet. So from there, we've eliminated a lot of boots on the wall based on performance. And then of those boots that we've selected based on performance, we can then actually start eliminating a lot based on fit and measurements and priorities. A customer has a, the opportunity to prioritize uh, comfort, warmth, performance, or high performance, or race fit. So depending on their priorities and expectations, uh, and based on the measurements, sometimes you'll have a textbook sizing. But for example, if someone measures a 25.1 and a 25.3, but they prioritized high performance or race fit, uh, the Apple suggests uh, trying to get into a 24.5, for example. But if they prioritized comfort and warmth and only skied zero to seven days a week, it would go with measured size. So there's a lot running in the back end that that helps maybe a less experienced boot fitter guide the fitting in a, in a mathematical-based direction. That sounds really interesting. It probably, it probably also eliminates a lot of miscommunication, I imagine, too. The consumer perception is incredibly strong when you're using the app. Um, it spits out, you know, 26.4 and 26.6, and you sit there and you show them 
hey, th- this is a mathematical measurement. It's not me uh, arbitrarily suggesting that you are or aren't a 26. Here's the math. And you show them and then all of a sudden, you know, when you put them in the boot, their first response isn't, isn't, oh my God, get me the next size up. It's, well, I measured a 26.5. This is a 26.5. I'm going to give it a shot. So you're really speeding things up and eliminating a lot of the objections that, that boot fitters often come across. So you guys have also developed some tools for doing various things like making punch outs and things like that. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, the tools were pretty much born out of frustration for the industry standard, which has been around for 35 years, which is the typical kind of leveraged ball and cup type of type of press. And what happens a lot of the time with a leg, uh, with a leveraged press, especially with industry trends to thinner walls and lighter weight boots and specialty plastics such as P-backs and and Grillamid is you're ending up with a lot of negative punches because these new plastics don't like shear stress at all. And that's how a lot of boots are getting ruined. What do you mean by a negative punch? So where the cup comes down on the boot, it actually goes in towards the interior of the boot and then the ball pushes up towards the exterior of the boot, if that makes sense. So you end up with a punch going towards the foot, a punch coming away from the foot, and another punch coming towards the foot again. They're subtle, but they make a big difference. And then you usually have to work those negative punches out, uh, which makes a mess of the boot and often doesn't produce the result needed. So with the tools, what we were trying to accomplish was, okay, let's try and get a better shape. And instead of shear stress, we're gonna use a different part of the boot for the opposing force. So the strongest part of a ski boot is the lug where the, where the binding attaches to or the sole of the boot. So using the lug of the boot, we clamp down on the lug of the boot and we're actually able to, to leverage from the inside. So the opposing force for the stretch or the punch is the strongest part of the boot. So you don't get any deformation. Okay, interesting. So, so on a traditional punch, there, the, the, the ball and cup, the cup kind of deforms the boot in an undesirable way around where the actual punch that you want is. And in, in the tools that you created eliminates that problem, basically. Yeah, it's, it's what yesterday we were working on a, on a Nordica speed machine, uh, which in a 26.5 starts out as a stated 100 mil boot. So we measured before and after, and within 20 minutes, with no deformation whatsoever, uh, we were able to get 13 mil out of the width of the boot. So it's it's working well. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, basically taking a boot from a 100 mil boot and turned it into a 113 millimeter boot. Wow, that's 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 impressive. And you guys also do different liners, thermo and injection style liners, right? Yeah, the 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 thermal market is is very it's a tough one. Um, we wanted to create a thermal liner that uh, was heat moldable, but more of a premium liner. Um, it's working well. We have two different two different versions. One is a low volume, and one is a, a high volume. Um, we've put a, a reinforced collar on it. It has a proper tongue. It has notches for touring. Uh, the the high volume uh, was kind of an afterthought. What we found was that when we created the low volume liner, we 
we created it for a pretty tight fitting boot. So a lot of people were coming in with touring boots and kind of going, oh, it's not filling up enough space. It's not filling up enough space. So uh, we created the high volume, which is five mil in the bottom and eight millimeter walls rather than uh, one and a half mil in the bottom and five mil walls. So they're, they're both very similar in terms of design and materials and components. Uh, it's just one's designed to take up a little bit more space. The injection side of it is, uh, to me, it's way more interesting. Um, once you ski an injection liner, it's very, very difficult to go backwards. Um, working with other kind of industry brands over the years, uh, you know, for lack of for lack of better words, just got frustrated with uh, with success ratios and with in- inconsistencies and with the sizing and with the widths and with the materials and the construction, uh, pretty much had a temper tantrum and went to Italy and just designed our own. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So, and, and just, just for clarity, all, all of these different things that we just talked about, these are all proprietary to pulse, correct? Yeah. When we, when we opened up the business, uh, four or five years ago, I, I thought I was pretty much retired from the boot industry after coming back from Europe. So I was actually working as a paramedic when, when we started the business. And I think I got really, I got really frustrated with kind of the industry standard. And, and when we opened the business, we just, we decided to make, to make it a priority or almost a mandate that if something didn't exist to what we thought was potentially possible, then we were just going to go out and do it on our own. Ah, that's excellent. Basically where, where most of this stuff came from. So all of a sudden in four years, we looked at it in the summer and kind of went, wait a sec, we've created a system here without even really realizing what we were doing. Here's, here's the app that helps bootfitters select products. Here's, uh, we're working on a footbed solution for 3d print and milling over the summer. So, that scan that we use to get the measurements we'll also be able to use to create a footbed or an orthotic for the boot. And then we have, all right, so we're now we've helped the consumer pick the proper shell. Now let's pick a liner. And then if modifications are needed, here's the tools to do it properly. And we're like, hey, this, this, this all ties in together by accident. Yeah, well, I mean, we, um, we had a few readers recommend that we check you guys out and uh i remember when i first started looking into your shop i was just like blown away by all this all this custom work that that you're doing i mean this is kind of a little bit unheard of in brick and mortar shops so i'm super excited to see where all your tools end up and especially psyched to see how the footbed and milling stuff goes over the summer and seems like you guys are on the right track yeah we've we've got to stop taking on ridiculously large projects <laughs> the um something that's cool as well with the, with the tools is and the, the tools in the scanning system we almost buy meh, it was always in the back of our head that we we figured there's got to be a better way to address uh specific punching needs every consumer landmarks their boots wrong and a lot of boot fitters just listen to the consumer oh my boot needs punched here okay welcome to the punch factory um so what we actually started doing is in the app we've got uh we've got exact measurements so not only how wide the foot is but we can tell 
exactly pinpoint where, for example, the fifth, fifth metatarsal sits in relation to the very back of the heel. The tools, the way that they, they were designed, we can then actually uh, line up a square on the, the workbench and get to a tenth of a millimeter, the placement. So we can actually, if the consumers or if the skier has already been in and been through the scanning process, they kind of go, oh, it's hurting here on my foot. I can kind of go, okay, I know that's a fifth met. Then on the work order, I just write, you know, uh, fifth met, four mil, hundred and, uh, and then the, the tech actually can check the app, check the measurements, measure off the heel, and if the tech needs as well, he can actually uh, just look at the foot because there's photos of the foot in the built into the app. So all of a sudden, we're actually not even marking liners and shells anymore. We're just doing everything based on what the math says. That's so cool. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's a lot of people from other shops come in and they're just kind of staring at it going, what is this? And then you explain it to them a little bit and they, it it's all very, very logical. And, and if people want to argue with math, then, then they can. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Kai, how long have you been fitting boots for? I started fitting in Whistler in 94. And then uh, when I left, I was living and working in, uh, in Le Grave and Chamonix and St. Anton in Europe for probably combined 10 seasons, 10 or 11 seasons. And then uh, kind of pseudo-retired. I call it pseudo-retiring now because I clearly didn't retire <laughs> in, um, in 2014. So 2014, uh, now would have been 2000, I don't know. I have no idea. But I was working as a paramedic for a couple of years in between. Okay. Well, a long time, nonetheless. I, I imagine you've seen, you've seen a lot of changes in ski boots, changes in, in, in the market. What are sort of the larger industry trends that you've seen over your career and where where do you see the industry trending currently? I think the biggest changes have, have occurred over uh, over the past kind of six or seven years, uh, spanning kind of my experience in the industry. And those trends are, you know, towards uh, backcountry access type boots, touring boots, skimo boots, uh, alpine boots all getting a little bit lighter, a little bit thinner walled and incorporating features, uh, walk modes and tech fittings in particular. That's a decent segue then into a new product that you guys are developing called ProFlex. Do you want to give a brief overview of what ProFlex is? Yeah. So uh, I'm, again, uh, born out of frustration. Um, I very much used to and prefer... uh, a stiffer flexing boot, you know, in the in the realm of the GPX boots or the RS 130s, not plug boots, but definitely the stiffer of kind of retail boots. And you know, we used to tour in Alpine Trekkers and race boots, and and so now I kind of whoa uh, Alpine <laughs> Trekkers and race boots, Kai. <laughs> You're I'm dating myself. Um, so there's one boot in particular that came out uh, last year, and I kind of went it. This is close uh, in terms of offering uh, a, a reasonably high level of performance. Um, and the fit was good. The stock liners were great. And I kind of went, it's it's damn close. They're calling it 130, but it's still about 20% softer than, than I'd like to see. 
which boot is this? Uh, the Nordica Strider. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I hate touring boots. Uh, and a lot of people are starting to realize that that lightweight doesn't necessarily mean skis well. It usually is is the opposite. Um, there are a few exceptions to the rule, but the the gist of it with with the Proflex is okay. I, I I like the weight of this boot. Uh, it fits me reasonably well when I put an injection liner in it. But for skiing mixed conditions and resort based skiing, it's still too soft. So. I thought it was close enough that I could try a few different things to stiffen it up, which has up until now been virtually impossible in a two-piece shell. Um, so kind of came up with the shape, came up with the concept. Uh, a lot of people, for example, are using plates on the top of a boot to stiffen it up. It doesn't actually stiffen it up. It gives a skier more leverage on the boot, which some would argue mathematically uh, makes a boot softer. So I knew it had to come down around the corner in the instep. Uh, to actually affect how uh, how the boot bends, um, and then I started learning how complicated organic shapes are. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we kind of came up with the shape, and I planned up riveting a bunch of stuff together and plastic welding stuff, and and kind of came up with something that worked. And and a lot of people started looking at it, kind of going, "Wait a sec, that that makes a lot of sense." I don't want to ski two boots. I want one boot that I can ski the same, whether I'm touring, whether I'm skiing Alpine, whether I'm slack, whether I'm doing whatever. So then I tried making a couple of pairs out of carbon fiber and that didn't work. They just cracked and they were too stiff. Then we tried 3D printing one. Then we tried vacuum molding one. And then we realized that the only way to do it was to for it to behave the way that a ski boot behaves. It needs to be built the same way that a ski boot's built, which is injection molding. So we got in touch with uh, the guys from PBAX and they were super helpful in terms of uh, recommending plastics and, and running a few samples. And uh, a year in, we've pretty much nailed it. Cool. So so the ProFlex seems to me, basically, it's, it's it, correct me if I'm, if I'm not thinking about this right, but it seems essentially like you're adding sort of a tongue like you would have in a three-piece boot to your two-piece boot to make it stiffer. Is that more or less the concept? It's Yeah, that's that's the the best way to describe it. It, it actually changes. A lot of people prefer the flex pattern of a three-piece boot, but you stick the, the ProFlex into a two-piece boot and it brings some of those characteristics into a two-piece boot, so you actually get the best of both worlds. That's, that's, that's actually really interesting because I, I mean, I, I love three piece boots, but not necessarily for the flex. I mean, the flex is excellent. It's nice and progressive, but it, it just happens that a lot of them fit my foot well, but that's curious to, to, to see that. Cause a lot of two piece boots, especially two piece touring boots kind of flex like crap. Yeah, th they do. You know, either it's really soft into a wall or, I mean, there's just, they're, they're not great. So I, I'm really psyched on checking this out and seeing how, how we can make boots ski better. Cause I'm sure you're aware, at least in the touring in the touring realm, there's there's a bunch of good boots, but there's not a lot of boots that tick every box. And especially when everyone's got a different foot, you kind of need all these different boots with different fits and lasts and blah 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 to to fit a customer. So to be able to eliminate the the box of it being too soft with a product like this is really really interesting. Yeah, it's it's uh, we've got a bunch of guys in Chamonix on them. Uh, one guy's got them in an Atomic Hawks, another in a Strider. Um, 
and it's the the feedback has been stunning. We've got um, we've had a couple of race category guys in it as well, uh, using them in the recreational boots. But a lot of the the race community is is pretty psyched as well for for spring skiing when boots get too soft or summer race camp. So the, there's a lot of applications for it, and the industry ten, trend is is towards lighter weight and thinner walls and and just a byproduct of lighter weight and thinner walls is softer flexing boots. So a lot of consumers are now purchasing a little bit more, or I'm finding that they're, they're trying or they're believing that they should be purchasing based more on features such as marketable, marketable features like weight or walk mode range of motion. So uh, in the app, for example, if the skiers, performance rating is incredibly high but they tick the box of i want tech fittings and and a walk mode but their performance suggests a boot that is 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 a traditional riveted boot or or a non-hybrid then the app can actually recommend hey try a strider but to get the performance out of it you'll probably want to install a proflex in there as well do the proflexes come in different size sizes for different boots that's probably one of the most frequently asked questions on the on the Kickstarter campaign. Um, so we've created a, a video, an install video. Uh, we thought that was that was going to be our first battle was sizing. We thought, oh crap, we have to, you know, we've gone this has taken a year to get one. Now we have to make two or three sizes or four sizes to to fit a range. So our initial idea was let's design it around uh, a twenty seven because we thought for the most part, the bigger guys in the bigger boots are gonna be the ones that are over flexing the boots. But what we decided to do is not have a have a have an obligated or, or designated mounting point on it. Um, and it's, I put one in a 22 Atomic Hawks the other day and just cut down the top by about an inch so it wasn't too high on the top. So it's actually, uh, we had it in, the biggest boot we've had it in is a free tour uh, 29.5 and the smallest boot is a 22 atomic hawk so it it it's a little bit on the 22 it was a little bit awkward but it still worked it just didn't look very pretty yeah so how how much stiffer does the proflex make the boot uh, it depends where you start um so on a noodley boot it can be up to uh 30 percent on an already stiff boot 15 to 20 so the design of the Proflex is kind of asymmetrical, which 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 struck me as odd. Um, can you sort of explain why the shape of it is the way that it is, and that it does have that sort of asymmetrical asymmetric shape? Yeah, we wanted uh, we wanted to make sure that you know we knew this was going to go into a lot of a lot of hybrid boots, and a lot of the feedback and a lot of the questions we've been getting on Kickstarter as well are. Uh, how does this affect the walk mode? But we designed it so it sits on on the medial side of the boot or the, or the inside part of the boot, which is where the majority of energy is going as you're trying to drive drive energy into the inside edge of the ski. So on the outside, it doesn't actually uh, it didn't actually do much. So we just started trimming it down and trimming it down to get uh, kind of the most minimal shape with the best result. So it's typically only mounted in one spot and sits on the medial side or the inside part of the boot. And the 
outside edge of the proflex actually lines up with the seam line of the boot. Yeah. How much weight does this add to to a boot? It, minimalist. It, I think uh, we had it on the scale the other day, and it was ballpark 100 grams. Okay. There are a lot of different a lot of different plastics. I know you mentioned that you guys are partnering with PBAX. What are sort of the advantages of PBAX over a different plastic, like Agrilamid, for instance? Um, to be honest with you, the the guys at PBAX are stunning to work with. You can pick up the phone twenty four seven. They're there to help. They're there to make recommendations. Um, and we reached out to a number of different companies, and we knew that this was you know, a huge learning process for us. We're not plastics engineers. So we needed, we needed all the help they could, that, that we could muster. And, uh, the guys at PBAX, uh, made a solid effort in terms of trying to understand exactly what we were, we were, were attempting at. Um, and they kind of jumped on board and, and they do have, uh, you know, where it's, it's the, the, the product that, we ended up going with is is a is a renew product uh it's a it's a line of the the pbax uh product line um it's as far as plastics go it's it's well i don't know let's not get into the environmental impact of plastics but it's a reasonably friendly plastic that's a podcast for another day just just <laughs> yeah. like your trekkers and race boots touring setup is a podcast for another day <laughs> yeah fair fair enough Cool. Excellent. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's underrated in this world. It doesn't get said enough, but a lot of times ease of working with someone is super important in a relationship. Um, so that's, that's the, good to hear that those guys are good. The, the characteristics of PBAX as well, you know, that uh, it's a very similar family to other lightweight plastics. You know, the goal of these plastics is to be less temperature sensitive um, while maintaining a lower weight with an incredibly high uh, uh, rebound or, or memory. So it kind of ticked all the boxes in terms of performance as well. Yeah. And for, 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 for those people who want to really geek out, you can check out the Kickstarter that's linked in this podcast page. And there's a whole bunch of cool little, little graphs that the material science and engineers will all, uh, all like to geek out on. There's some interesting stuff for sure about the specific plastics. I, I had fun reading about it this morning. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly been a learning process. You know, the the plastic side of things is is in general the more you think you know, the less you know, and the more you learn, you start realizing that the, the plastics not just plastic. It's it's incredibly incredibly complicated. So, uh, staying on Proflex, is, is there anything that I've missed? What's what's the best question I haven't asked on Proflex? Um. It doesn't affect walk mode. That's that's answers one of the questions. Uh, okay. No, I think I think we've covered it. You know, I think the ski boot industry tends tends to be pretty critical. Like we've we've gotten a lot of negative feedback, and I kind of sit there and I kind of go, well, you're giving me feedback on something you've never had in your hands because there's only ten that exist globally. So so why not just try it out for the sake of forty bucks? And you might be pleasantly surprised. That's that's the internet for you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone's an expert. 
Excellent. Well, we're psyched to try it out. And uh, thanks so much for your time, Kai. This was an interesting conversation. Like like I said earlier, we're real psyched to get on ProFlex. Those of you listening, go check out the Kickstarter. It's running for another, I think it'll be a week or two by the time this, this hits the internet. So uh, go check it out. Support your local shops. And next time you're in Revelstoke, go say hi to Kai and crew at Pulse. Cheers, Sam. Thanks very much. Have a good one, Kai. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Kai for the conversation. And you can check out the Pulse ProFlex campaign over on Kickstarter or visit the Pulse Boot Lab website at www.pulserevelstoke.com. Thanks, everybody, and we will talk to you again next week where we will be recording from Denver and talking about a bunch of the brand new stuff that we just saw at Outdoor Retailer. Till then, take good care and please be safe out there.